It's offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel, we are the fan upstate rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m. today. Truly do appreciate you making us part of your day. Doing something very, very unique right now. I am um, I'm hosting in a mask. <laughs> um, intended today to do the show from our home connection. Why? Because the, um, the wife and the kid missed school being sick today. And uh, I have not yet come down with whatever they're dealing with. But, you know, they don't have a fever, they, you know, fatigue and a sore throat and stuff like that. And um, I realized that our connection wasn't going to be good. So here I am. And I'm hosting the show today in a mask. Um, we, in this studio... There is not a partition separating Diesel and I. Um, and in a lot of studios I've worked in, the producer is actually in an entirely separate room from you. You know, in this, in this setup, we are in here together. So my question to you guys is, can you hear the mask? Like, does, does it sound like a... Do I sound like Darth Vader at all? I do wonder if behind these soundproof panels right here, there is a window into the production studio next door. Because the WORD studio across the hall has the main studio. The producer sits in the main studio, and the host sits in one booth, and the weather and, uh, I guess, once-an-hour news reporter sit in another booth. I'll tell you this, Diesel. It is, it is something, and you wonder if that was the original design of this place, right? Like yeah. If, if, that was, if that was what they thought initially. Um, you got to love the, the show, Listener Diesel, that so badly wants to prove you wrong that he doesn't bother to look up his own statement before he sends it in. We have a text, Diesel, that says Jordan Travis, Florida State quarterback, was not a transfer portal guy. So this dude is saying, ha, 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 got you, but he doesn't even matter, to, doesn't even take the time to look up whether he's right or wrong. Jordan Travis in 2018 played for whom, Texter? Whom? Louisville. Played for Louisville. Ooh. In 2019. Um, played for Louisville. Not a transfer portal guy. Whatever you say, man. Whatever you say. You know, like if you're... Listen, I'm all about you guys coming at us, you know, like, sometimes it's nice if, like, we swing and miss on something. If you watch the show, Pardon the Interruption, they have that segment segment for errors at the end of the show, right? Um, so, you know what I mean? Like, they, they have that segment for errors. It's cool. You know, if, if we're wrong, you guys can tell us we're wrong. It'll happen before. I don't know if I've ever had a show where, you know, you're batting a 1,000 with everything you say. But if you're going to... If you're going to take a swipe, at least make sure you know what the hell you're talking about. No, right? Colonel Sanders, you're wrong. <laughs> Texter says it sounds like we're on location. We are on location, Texter, 25 Garlington Road in Greenville. Uh, Mark, the mask is nothing more than a placebo, JT and Greer. Oh, good gosh. We're still doing that? Are we still doing that? Yeah, we're still doing that? The mask is nothing more than a placebo. JT, uh, okay, it's 449. Okay, at 4.06.30, I'm going to be done talking to you, JT, okay? I'm going to tell you this, JT, okay? Uh, I 
have been vaccinated. I have worn masks. Sometimes I still wear masks. And four years into this thing, um, I've never had severe COVID symptoms or serious COVID symptoms. Four years in, okay? I have not even been sick at all in a year, okay? Like, like sick with like an upper respiratory thing. You know, days where you don't feel quite right, but not sick with an upper respiratory thing in a year. So, you know, look, it's this whole, if you say masks are a conspiracy theory, you are, you are allowing conspiracy theories to work on you. Okay. Like they, yeah. they definitely work. And yeah, again, not to get, not to go down this road, but we're here now. Um, a mask is not designed to keep you from getting sick. If people around you are sick, a mask keeps the droplets that come out of your wet, filthy mouth from traveling out into the room. You know, we are sitting about five feet apart. That means, as I'm speaking, I don't, I don't feel sick, so I'm not wearing a mask. That means, as I'm speaking, there are tiny little droplets flying out of my mouth straight at Mark Ryan. But there are not tiny little droplets flying out of Mark's mouth at me because he's got a mask. He's got a barrier. So... As many times as it's been stated over and over and over and over and over again, people don't understand what the point of a mask when you're sick actually is. Yeah, and, and Diesel, I subscribe to what you say for sure, but I'm going to tell you, I've worn them and I don't get sick. And so I'm like, they must be doing something for me too. You know, there's a barrier between me and people breathing in my face, right? So I don't wear them all the time, but I wear them some of the time. And, uh, you know, like, I, I just can't believe that, that there's still people out here saying a known mental thing doesn't work. It's all an instrument of control, uh, man. I don't. I don't. <laughs> the man's trying to keep you down, man. It's, it's amazing those people, Diesel. <laughs> it's amazing those people ever agreed to wear seatbelts. Think about this. You know, you're not going to strap me down. You're not going to hold. Like, how did they ever agree to wear seatbelts? You know, can you imagine? A lot of people still don't. Can you imagine? And they're Diesel? called hood ornaments. <laughs> You imagine what people would say today if the seatbelt was invented yesterday? Can you, can you imagine what the conspiracy theorists would say? They'd be posting the one story online of the guy who died because he had a seatbelt on. And like his car caught on fire and he couldn't get out. That's what they'd be saying. They'd be like, uh-uh, not me. Not doing it. Not doing it. I don't care what science says. I don't believe them either. I don't th- <laughs> you believe that. I mean, it's yeah. just... I don't know. We've we've changed into into a society where all we do is we live to argue with other people. That's, I don't get it. I do not get it at all. Okay, my friends. Um, so we got four NFL games coming up this weekend. Four. One, two, three, four. And I want to ask you, which of these games has the best chance of seeing an upset? Now, I am taking off the table from you, Bills and Chiefs. I'm taking it off the table. Why? Because I don't think any outcome in that game is an upset. Buffalo and Kansas City on a neutral field, they're telling you would be a pick'em. Buffalo's favored by three because the game is in Orchard Park, uh, but the odds of Buffalo winning are 56%. There's no upset there. Okay, like I don't, I don't care what the betting spread is. I'm going to give you Tampa Bay and Detroit. I'm going to give you Green Bay and San Francisco. And I'm going to give you Baltimore and Houston. 
And I'm going to say to you, which is the most likely upset? What's the most likely upset? What do you think? Uh, let's see here. 844-326-3663. That's 844-F-A-N-F-O-N-E uh, on the Renewal by Anderson fan phone. Okay? That is what you guys can chime in on. Um, look, I, I was looking at these numbers today. They say Baltimore and Houston, uh, 82% chance Baltimore wins. All right? Uh, Green Bay and San Francisco, 79% San Francisco wins. Detroit and Tampa Bay, 63% Tampa Bay, uh, Detroit wins. Um, you know, believe it or not, I don't think it's an open and shut case, man, that, um, that Tampa Bay, Detroit is the winner. I don't, you know, I, I think the Lions probably win this game and probably win this game comfortably. I think the Baltimore Ravens are like butter because they're on a roll. I'm going to go Green Bay. I'm going to go Green Bay has got the best chance to pull it off because Brock Purdy, he's already had a three or four interception game in him this year. Jordan Love, you know, his last eight games heading into the postseason, 18 touchdowns, one pick. One pick. All right? So it might surprise you for me to tell you that I think the Packers have the best chance to do it. Better chance than the Texans, better chance than the Buccaneers, and Kansas City over Buffalo is just not an upset. It is just not an upset. Spur Daddy says, I say the most likely upset this weekend is the Texans over the Ravens. Why, Spur Daddy? Why? Well, obviously C.J. Stroud. Number two, is there a little bit of Dallas in Baltimore? Is there a little bit of tight sphincter, sphincteritis going on in Baltimore? Swelling of the sphincterous muscle in times of difficulty. What do you think? What do you say? We go to the phones right now, and we get to J.D. in Simpsonville. What's up, J.D.? Hey, uh, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I wanted to give my thanks back to the Cowboys one more time again today, if I could. Um, so Trip has this go-kart, man, and I, I couldn't get the thing to crank for the longest time. And so it turns out there's this little choke switch on there. And so I put a Dallas Cowboys sticker on this choke switch, and I'll be a son of a gun if that thing didn't crank right up. Thank you, Dallas Cowboys, for fixing Trip's go-kart. There you go. There you go. You got it. You got it. Anything else, J.D.? Okay. Appreciate you, buddy. Um, so thanks for, uh, thanks for chiming in on that. Diesel, what do you say? Most likely upset coming our way this weekend. You've got Baltimore-Houston, Green Bay-San Francisco, Tampa Bay or Detroit. What do you think is most likely going to happen? Oh, man. I think Tampa Bay could be um... – could be a little bit of a team of destiny. Maybe Baker takes them one game farther. Uh, I, you know, I honestly, I think I could see C.J. Stroud and the Texans getting it done at Baltimore. Just again, I know this is my own Schadenfreude. This is my own issue, and I'm not trying to work through it. Screw David Tepper. I want to see C.J. Stroud rub his face in it again. Wow! Wow! I mean, and that, that very well could happen. By the way, guys, a ton going on with the Carolina Panthers right now. 
but it, it, it's what isn't happening that is of key interest to Carolina Panthers fans and none other than J.J. Hardy of Panthers Culture will be joining us 15 to 20 minutes right now to update you on what's going on there. You know, Diesel, we might be in a situation with Carolina where they're not able, because of their own misgivings, bad decisions, they might not be able to hire the right guy right now. They might be one coach away from hiring the right guy right oh, now. God. But guess who else was in that position very recently? The Houston Texans. Diesel, the Houston Texans hired a long-term assistant, David Culley, for one year. Then they fired him and they hired Lovey Smith for one year. It was almost like they were waiting for D'Amico Ryans to become available. They had back-to-back one-year head coaches that seemingly they, had, they never had any intention of keeping them on for more than a year. Just, hey, you're a steward of the position, a one-year rental. They did that twice. I get the sense that there might not be the long-term solution for the Carolina Panthers available right now. Yeah, they may need another stopgap to get them to a position of back to a position of respectability to where the right guy wants to take that job. Texter says Mark wears a mask in his car when he's alone. Texter says Mark still checks under his bag bed for the boogeyman. I, I love how many friends uh, I'm making here in the upstate. This is <laughs> these people truly, truly love me. Really love me. Texter says Tampa Bay. Fighting Bakers get the W. Another texter says Tampa Bay over Detroit. Mongo says the people who that are mask shaming try to shame you by saying masks are face panties. Yeah, Mongo, imagine if the seatbelt was introduced today. Imagine what people would tell you. Imagine like how much they would tell you this is an infringement upon their rights having to put a seatbelt on. You know, like just imagine. Think about it. I mean, it's. It's it's far less ridiculous than all this mask stuff. I mean, technically, it is still your right to wear a, a, a uh, or to not wear a seatbelt if you don't want to. You're just the dumbass who's going to go through the windshield. Yeah, exactly right. And then we have to try, and then the police are tasked with wasting their time on things like trying to save you dumbasses from yourselves. There you go. And give you tickets for not doing it. There you go. Uh, all right, my friends. Coming up next on the show, we've got J.J. Hardy joining us at 4.34, p.m.-ish. That's where we're going. We look forward to that conversation. Look forward to sharing it with you. And Diesel and I will be right back after this on the Fan Up State. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel. We are the Fan Upstate rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m. today. Guys, I totally relate, and I feel like I'm entitled to complain about this because I used to work in the service industry. One could say I still do. I'm servicing you guys now. <laughs> you know, 
but I worked in the service industry. Um, you hear that, men of the upstate? Mark is servicing you. That's right. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that is right. Somebody's going to text in and not, say, Mark, you can go service yourself. Not so much of a family program anymore now, is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but guys, like, I get it. And I get what servers go through. And I, I understand it. And it's not just about the restaurant business or the restaurant industry. Is it just me? Diesel, I should be having you bring us into this because you this is your idea. Mm. But um, Diesel came up to me and he goes, Mark, what... What was the question? What is the tipping request that you have received that has ticked you off? Yeah, is that, is that the gist of it? More or less, yeah. Uh, I, I found this piece of uh, content yesterday, and it was, I don't know where it was, but it was a woman talking about buying her wedding dress. And ladies listening, you know that wedding dresses are expensive. I mean, they can range from a little expensive to a whole lot expensive, depending on how opulent you want it to be. Well, the lady goes to pay for her wedding dress. Mind you, this is a this is an outfit she's going to wear once. It's not like you can reuse a wedding dress if you get remarried down the line. She's going to wear this once. And the store asked her for a tip. Like they verbally <laughs> asked her, "Would you like to leave a tip on this purchase for a one-time very expensive wedding dress?" And I'm thinking, that's got to piss you off. That's got to piss her off. And I'm thinking, like, well, everybody nowadays is asking for a tip. Like, the counter at the, at the restaurant next door that I was at earlier today, they did nothing. And they asked for a tip. Like, I'm not going to tip you. I'm not going to tip a restaurant where I have to walk to the counter, tell you what I want, take a number, come back and get my food when it's ready. You didn't do anything. I did everything. Why should I tip you? <laughs> and so the question becomes, who's asked you for a tip recently that has really pissed you off saying, what the hell are you doing asking me for a tip? And I posted this question on my Diesel on Radio Facebook page, and I got hit with some weird ones, like places that I had never thought would ask for a tip. Um, I had somebody tell me that uh, they were asked for a tip at a gas station drive through Like, first of all, what is a gas station wow. drive through I don't know. I'm not sure what that is. But it says, oh, it says, uh, like, some places have them. Like, in, in western North Carolina, eastern North Carolina, they have places called brew-throughs where they're, like, drive through beer coolers, which is awesome. You know, you pull in. Like to this little tunnel thing, and you're surrounded by beer coolers, and somebody walks up to ask you what you want. They go get it for you, and they bring it to you. So I guess that's what they mean is a place like that. Um, somebody said at a subway they were asked for a tip. What? Um, by the way, Diesel, you know what that girl at the wedding store should have said? Mm. A tip? This wedding dress is going to see a hell of a lot more than just the tip. <laughs> Uh, I had somebody tell me that they, that a gas station pay at the pump asked for a tip. Now I, I don't I don't know what kind of gas station it says. Oh, here he is. She says it was a Valero gas station, which I have I have stopped at a Valero before in Louisiana. She said she was passing through, and the pay at the pump option 
asked her for a tip. Her pay at the pump. What? Yeah, Diesel, the one the that gets me, and I, I wanna I wanna let you guys kick this around in your heads for a while, okay? We'll return to this next hour. Um, what is the tipping request you have gotten recently that sent you off? That just set you off. Like you literally couldn't believe you were asked for that. Okay? Um, because now you gotta tip everywhere. And again, I worked in the service industry. I get it. I have one specifically that really, really, really cracks my coconuts, okay? And it does so on a repeated basis. And every single time they ask for a tip, and every single time I turn to Angela, who is like, Angela is like my beacon of what's right. She, Angela is my moral compass. If it is right, she will want it. And you wouldn't believe I, how many times Angela says to me, you don't have to tip for that. Hey, what are they doing for you? Yes. You don't have to tip for that, right? Yes. If my moral compass is telling me I don't have to do it, then I am not going to do it. See, that's the opposite of Ashley. She feels bad. If she sees a tip line, she feels uh, obligated to at least put something down. And this psychology of we should tip more than we have in the past is working on her. No. Because now... Now, she's actually told me that 20% is not enough. Oh, come on. The Ashley, hell? Ashley, what are they doing no. for you? Like, Ashley. I have a rule. If I'm at a bar, I tip a dollar a beer. I mean, even that might be a lot, you know, for some people. It's like every time you go get me a beer, you, you reach in the cooler, you grab it, you crack the top, or you pour me a beer out of the, out of the tap. I'll throw you a dollar for that. And that's not a dollar of work. It's not even a dollar of work. You're overpaying right. for the service. Right. Um, oh, I had somebody uh, here comment that uh, that they were asked to tip at the ABC store. Oh, come on. The liquor what? store. What? The liquor store asked for a tip. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. <laughs> You've got to walk through the store, look at the shelves, pick something off, walk it to the counter, set it down, and then scan your card. And right. they want a tip for that. Guys, think, think about this. When... Have you been asked for a tip, and not just the tip, but it really ticked you off, okay? When did you do that? Think about that. We will come back to that in the next hour. In the meantime, we're going to be joined by J.J. Hardy, Panthers culture. He'll be joining us next here on Offsides. We are the Fan Upstate. Uh, the tipping conversation <laughs> extended into the commercial break. Diesel and I, uh, we bring on J.J. Hardy, Panthers culture. J.J., uh, we're going to bring this back in the next hour, but we feel like on this show tipping has gotten out of hand, and I feel like I'm able to say that because I used to work in the service industry. Okay, so I, I understand how important tips are. The, the, the industry on certain places is broken because they're relying on the customer to pay the server's wage. And it's not just at restaurants. Can I ask you, JJ, what is the most absurd thing you have been asked to tip for? Or they give you an option to tip, and you're like, tip for what? <laughs> what did you do for me exactly? Are you with us, JJ? I am with you, and I'm sitting here trying to process that thought. But I will go back to, to when I, I was younger. I was in the military. I was stationed in the Washington, D.C. area. And I won't say it was absurd. But at the age I was at and for what I was asking for, at the time it felt absurd. 
um, it was a, a summer day. And, you know, being young, I decided to stop and get me a, a cone of ice cream from this little place called Tasty Freeze. And if you're from the D.C. area, you would know what I'm talking about. Um, but I stopped and got some ice cream. And, you know, a cone of ice cream at that time may have cost 3 or $4. But, you know, I'm a young guy in the military. I don't have a bunch of money. So I stopped and I ordered the ice cream and he gave me a cone of ice cream. And then as I was walking away, the guy just basically just went off on me because I didn't tip him. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me? Like, you should tip. You know, you should tip. I, I, I gave you a service. I gave you ice cream, but you left no tip. And I was like, dude, I just wanted some ice cream. Like, I've never, I'm from upstate South Carolina. I, you know, we got a few ice cream um, establishments around Union and Spartanburg and places like that. I had never tipped for any cone of ice cream in my life. But, yeah, the guy got irate with me because I didn't tip him for a cone of ice cream. So I would say that, you know, it was the, the ice cream cone. Yeah, I pay, you paid him for the service, which is what he did. The, yeah. the service is a cone of ice cream, and you got yeah. your cone of ice cream. There was no additional service on top of that. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's funny, though. He traumatized me so much that I always tip like 20% for a cone of ice cream now. See, don't do that, because JJ. I- don't listen. <laughs> listen, buddy. Don't let him scar you for life like I'm that, man. Sorry. That's I'm not, sorry, man. That's not right, man. No, that's yeah, not sorry. right. But, but, mean- the, but the reality is... Those at fault are not you and me. They're the employer who is paying them so little that they're relying on that for their wage. And you should never be reliant on tips for a wage because I don't care what anybody says. Tips are optional. Tips. You're right. You know, I I actually got a a different story, but, you know, this is a family show. And so um, I won't I won't share that. (laughs) I think everyone listening knows exactly where you were going, J.J. Hardy. There you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> quick question for the three of us, and then we'll get to the task at hand. Diesel, have you ever not left a tip at a restaurant? Yes. Okay. JJ, have you ever not left a tip at a restaurant? Yes. Three for three. We've all not left. Well, now I didn't expect that to be the answer. One sentence synopsis, JJ, of why? One sentence. Poor service. Bad service. They poured yeah. the wrong beer, and they kept my credit card in hand and sat down with their friends at a table. This person acted like the last place they wanted to be on earth was taking care of us, okay? Like, they're giving you the roll of the eyes, you know what I mean? Rolling their yeah. eyes at you. No, man, that's not how it rolls. Here's all that. Like, I, I never penalize a server for a kitchen mistake. Right. But I will penalize a server if, you haven't filled up any of our drinks, you know, for a long period of time while we're there. If you let us, you know, sit in your section for too long before giving us any attention, uh, then you started off wrong with me. And then, you know, if that type of attitude continues throughout, you know, the the meal, then, yeah, I'm I'm not going to reward bad customer service. Um, so, so, yeah, that's how it works for me. There you go. J.J. Hardy, Panthers culture, joining us here, Offsides. Uh, many a Panther fan, JJ, are apoplectic that bigger names have not been linked to Carolina's opening. Um, to me, this is very simple. Bill Belichick is not on the board, and Jim Harbaugh is not on the board because they're no longer interested in taking Carolina's phone call. Am I wrong? I don't. Know. I hope you're wrong, um, only because one of those guys I I really would like um, to coach the Carolina Panthers. That's Jim Harbaugh. 
But all the tea leaves seem to be indicating that because seemingly the teams that want to talk to those guys are bringing those guys in and not even announcing it, you know, that they're doing. I think the Chargers, it was pretty known that Jim Harbaugh was going to interview with the Chargers. But I was surprised to learn that the Atlanta Falcons had him in town um, a couple of days ago and then the same thing for Bill Belichick. So that let me know that those guys want jobs, you know, because there were some questions about Jim Harbaugh being interested in the NFL. You know, there's always questions about him because of where he's at with Michigan. But, you know, to learn that they're actually interviewing and, you know, there's no reaching out from our side and, you know, we're not getting the same reports that we got last year at this time that Jim Harbaugh has made calls. So maybe he felt shunned. You know, that's the, that's what I'm thinking is that Jim Harbaugh tried to call Dave Tepper last year to express interest. He got shunned and he got, you know, basically picked over, um, you know, and, and so this year around, I think he has more of his choice of where he could go and interview with. And, uh, and maybe feels like, look, I tried to call this guy last year. He didn't give me the time of day. Why would I call him back? JJ, my sense of schadenfreude is so strong with Dave Tepper that I want nothing more than for C.J. Stroud and the Texans to win this weekend. I want nothing more than Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers to win this weekend. I want to gauge your sense of schadenfreude here. Would it make you happy if Steve Wilkes got the head coaching job in Atlanta and found success? I'll just keep everything at the individual level for those guys. You know, like for C.J. Stroud, I wasn't always a big fan of his in college because I didn't think he was super special until like the last few games I saw him play. And then I was like, okay, he's legit. Um, but to for him to go through the scrutiny he went through in the offseason with the S2 test and all of that stuff, uh, and then plus knowing that people in the building in Carolina felt like he couldn't read defenses, that's my real angst with them. I learned that they actually felt that he couldn't read NFL defenses, and that's, and that's why they moved off of him. The crazy part about Carolina, I'm gonna get off on, I'm a, I'm I'm gonna move from this, but I'm about to say it. He wasn't even their second choice, and that's what's getting lost in this whole C.J. Stroud thing. So to know that my team needed a quarterback, traded everything they did to get that that number one pick, and for C.J. Stroud to be performing like he is but for Carolina to not even have him as one of their top two, which all reports indicated it was between Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson as their top two prospects. They had moved that far away from C.J. Stroud. That tells you how broken that organization was at that point in time in terms of evaluation. So I absolutely want to see him be successful um, this weekend. Um, I like both quarterbacks, but the C.J. Stroud story um, has a little bit has a little bit more mustard on it right now because of how we mis-evaluated him. As it relates to uh, I, I got so caught up on C.J. Stroud. Who did you mention as the other story? Uh, oh, Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes, yeah. Steve Wilkes. So for Steve Wilkes, I think with him, I just want to see him get another opportunity to be a head coach because he proved that he can be a really good head coach that men want to follow. And I think that's like one of those intangible things that all these analysts and people who measure, um, you know, offensive success and, you know, 
number one ranked defense as a coordinator and this all, all this other stuff that people are paying attention to. Like, but with grown men with millions of dollars in their bank account, will they follow you? Will they listen to you? Will they be accountable to you? And Steve Wilkes proved that he could be that type of guy, and it matters at the NFL level because everybody doesn't know how to reach a millionaire, a man that makes more money than you, and tell them to run through a brick wall. Um, and Steve Wilkes showed that he could do that. So I would love for him to get a job. I don't know if I would love for him to get the Atlanta Falcons job because I don't <laughs> want to feel conflicted every time we face them and hope that he, you know, that he wins because I'd never want anybody to beat my team. Now, so, uh, so that would feel a little, little odd for me. JJ, uh, two-parter here. What would the Carolina Panthers' record have been this year if C.J. Stroud was the guy? And I went there, J.J., I said that it is now officially a mistake that Carolina passed him up. Why? Because I now know that C.J. Stroud has a 10-level potential. I, I, I officially don't know that Bryce Young doesn't have the potential of a 10. I don't think he does. I think Bryce Young's potential is around a 7. But when I'm seeing a guy who clearly has special traits, accuracy and anticipation – those two things. He has that trait where he's seeing a player come open before he is open, and the ball is there before the player turns his head. That's a special trait. So what would the record be, and are you willing to admit that the selection of Bryce Young is a mistake? Nothing against Bryce, more about CJ than Bryce. I don't know if the record would be tremendously better. Um, I think C.J. Stroud is the type of player based on what we've seen and based on, and this is the thing that listeners should pay attention to, how many of those games were close, like within one score, um, and then how many of those games, and I can point to a couple, you know, the Atlanta game, the early Saints game, the Minnesota Vikings game, how many of those games were turned on turnovers, interceptions, or fumbles lost? So I think in the games that we lost because of what I consider Bryce Young's faults, um, unforced errors, pick sixes, fumble losses, fumble returns for touchdowns, I think that we win those games. And I think that happened in at least three games. So I think that puts us at like five and what, five and twelve at a minimum, and so I go with five and twelve, maybe six and eleven. I think C.J. Stroud is worth a touchdown, you know, just with what he does. And what you mentioned is something that I think is being lost in all this um, talk and discussion about, you know, C.J. Stroud versus Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young was a good prospect, so I don't want to say it was a mistake to draft Bryce Young at number one because I think the Houston Texans may have picked him at number one if they had the number one pick. I think a lot of people had convinced themselves based on that testing and all that stuff that he was the safest, most pro-ready prospect. I looked at it a little different at that particular point in time because I think C.J. Stroud's superpower was his accuracy, was his ball placement, and it had been talked about all offseason until the S2 stuff came out. So I'm a guy that if I had to bet, I'm a little bit more risk-averse. 
So C.J. Stroud would have been the safest bet for me because everything about him checked out in terms of how he threw the ball, his size, and all of that. So if I had traded everything I had traded to get him, I would have to make sure I got the sure thing, the safer bet. Bryce Young was always going to have to be an outlier to be successful. And that's why, and I won't, it's hard to say it was a mistake, and I don't want to put that out there, uh, but that's why I would have chosen C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young at the time of the draft was because I think he was a safer bet for the game that they are playing today. Now I'll give you one thing that a, 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 a scout reached out to me and told me in my DM like two days ago. There are throws that C.J. Stroud is making and able to complete because of his size and his quicker release. Bryce Young has great anticipation, but because of his size, if a defensive tackle is, is coming straight at him with his hands up, bull rushing him at six foot four, CJ Stroud can throw the ball, and because of his his angle of his his his, his release, he's going to get the ball cleanly over that defensive tackle uh, with no issue. And although Bryce Young's size hasn't been an issue in terms of his durability, in terms of batted balls and things like that. There have been some times where Bryce may have held on to the ball when he really wanted to release it, but he didn't really trust that he could get the ball over the guy, and so he might have held on to it. It might have led to a sack. C.J. Stroud, if you watch him play, he's standing tall in the pocket. He's delivering. He's actually getting pressure, but he's getting the ball out before the, before, before the, the hit actually occurs. And so I think that's a little nuanced difference that we're seeing. It's not being talked about enough, but the scout actually pointed that to me a couple of days ago. And I was like, you know what? I see that stuff during the game, but I hate to talk about it because you talk about it and they'll say that you're a Bryce hater. And I'm not that. I want the boy to be successful or the young man, I should say, to be successful. Um, but I think he has to clean up some of that stuff in his game or, you know, figure out different ways to, to uh, you know, to get to his, his launching point for his throws. There's going to be an uphill battle for, for Bryce Young in that way. Find him on Twitter at Panthers Culture. He is J.J. Hardy. J.J., generally speaking, how good were you at algebra when you were in middle school and high school? Were you good at it or were you bad at it? I was okay. I was better in college. Okay. I'm, I'm going to give you a lot of known quantities here, and then I want you to solve for X, okay? Despite what you might have heard, there actually is some math on this test. So <laughs> given the current personnel situation, draft picks available, and cap space, in your mind, if Carolina hires a good GM who starts making good decisions, now I won't say perfect decisions from here on out because nobody bets a 1,000, how many seasons away are the Panthers from being a playoff-caliber team again? I actually did this math this morning um, and and my – few minutes of boredom. Mark, were you slipping him, you know, answers to the test here? Are you cheating, giving him the questions before the test? I'll, I'll put it like this. I'll put it like, he didn't do that, but I was actually thinking about this because I had to be realistic. It, it doesn't matter, you know, who the GM is, but like you said, if the GM is worth his salt, the first thing he's going to do is come in and realize Ike Kwanu can't protect my quarterback, right? Um, and so I need to at least create some competition at left tackle. My two interior guard positions 
well, I say all three interior positions on the offensive line struggled this past year, um, either with injuries or the guy who was the starter wasn't as good as he was the year before, and that being Bradley Bozeman. And so I have two guards returning off injury, Brady Christensen and Austin Corbett, for the second time in, in, in less than a year and a half. And so now I have to get some assurance that if those guys get hurt, then my guard position doesn't become a turnstile like it did this year. And then my center is actually scheme versatile. Bradley Bozeman's situation was that he couldn't block in the zone blocking scheme. He was pretty good in the power run scheme. But what if my offensive coordinator and my head coach, what if they want to run zone blocking? Now my starting center can't be trusted. My two guard positions can't be trusted because of injury. And so I need to potentially replace, and I hate to say it like this, but people need to be realistic. We might have to replace four offensive linemen in some shape, form, or fashion. I would say three at a minimum. We're going to need two wide receivers. Um, and, and everybody's saying that's the stuff that Bryce has to have in order to be successful. We might need a running back, could use a very good tight end. So when you look at how much we actually need, and that's just on the offensive side of the ball. I haven't even touched defense yet. I think it's going to take at least two seasons, two off seasons, to build the the all the pieces to put together all the pieces that that this offense would need to to be successful. And that's if Bryce is who we think he is, who we want him to be. I think it's going to take until at least the 2025 season to start looking like a competitive roster. Um, two off seasons of building, and that's not even saying playoffs. It's just competitive um, and being competitive in the NFC South, if it stays like it is, that could be enough to get you in. It's just, I just think it's going to take that long um, for us to build up properly. 2025. JJ, your pick for the next Carolina Panthers head coach. Okay. Uh, Who do you think is (sighs) most likely to get it? Most likely to get it. I've Uh, seen Kellen Moore on on top. top. Brian, Brian, Brian Callahan. Brian Callahan, right? Yeah. I've seen yeah. – uh, so you think that's the guy? I don't think he – he wouldn't be the guy that I would pick if I had my pick. But you said most likely I'm looking at the process of elimination, um, you know, guys who would, you know, who would want to work, you know, because they're ready for the position. I would say it's either between Brian Callahan and Frank Smith just based on probability. Um, obviously, I'm always going to say I want Jim Harbaugh first. Um, I think a guy they should call is Mike Vrabel. Um, I haven't seen his name mentioned as a request yet, but, you know, just right now I'm going off probability, and the probability is based on who I know that they've been in contact with. Frank Smith has been interviewed. Brian Callahan has been interviewed. Um, I think both of those guys are, you know, kind of those Dave Tepper type guys. I can get them before anybody else can get to them. They knew hot, fresh names. They're young. Um, so I would say he would go with a person like that. I personally think we need a culture shift. So um, I've kind of adjusted my sights on the Harbaugh's, the Vrabel's, the, even the Raheem Morris types, guys who can come in and be more than just what Bryce Young needs, but what the whole team needs. And I think that's what they should focus on. But doesn't appear that they are yet. 
J.J. Hardy, love catching up with you, man. So much going on uh, between what you're telling us that the scout says, your own insight. We uh, we get knowledge uh, from you, J.J., that we can't get anywhere else. Thank you so much for all you do for us, pal, and I uh, hope you oh, have absolutely. a great weekend. It was a pleasure being on. Thank you so much. J.J. Hardy, upstate native uh, himself. Ton of success on Twitter, at Panthers Culture. And we are going to hit you with... The top five at five coming your way next. The Fan Upstate. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.